Good evening. Praise, praise the Lord for being able to be back at Oakton. You can be seated tonight. We, uh, we enjoy coming here, and uh, we love uh, Pastor Kent and Karen. Amen, their family. Praise God for them. Praise God for this church and uh, for the years and years that people's lives have been changed and impacted because somebody... Uh, started building a church out here in the middle of this, these cornfields. And, uh, as we was pulling in tonight, we came up the road here and, and we passed that little sign said Oakton. I said, I said, uh, doesn't it look kind of strange to see a church like this sitting out here in this little town? But, uh, God, God's able to do above and beyond anything that we can imagine. And he, uh, his plans are much higher than our plans. His plans are much greater than our plans. Matter of fact, a lot of times we don't even know what's going on. We do, we're just kind of, we're flying blind, you know. And uh, we, we just, we, we, we say, wow, God showed up. No, he just finally got us to the point where we got in tune with him. And so God, the, the very power of God, the very manifest presence of God doesn't stop and doesn't end. I want to read a verse in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 and uh, with verse 27. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Very strong word if we can really understand it and grab hold of it. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Now he said, to make known the mystery. The word that mystery that, that uh, Paul was using here uh, had to do with, in that day, was, was like the uh, secret societies of the Greeks. And you had to be initiated into that place, into that group. And once you was initiated into that group, then they would tell you their secrets and then you were the bearer of the secrets of, of that group. You know, they make a lot of movies about the Knights Templar and all that kind of stuff. You know, the, the groups are supposed to have all the mysteries and, and things like that. But they, they really exist. And in this day, they, they were very prevalent. They had a, a lot of groups that you had to be initiated into. And then you, you got to hear the truths that they carried or the secrets that they carried. And then you were responsible for those secrets. And Paul is saying here that the mystery that God waited and to make known the mystery to us. And that mystery is that you got to be initiated into this group in order to have the truth, in order to really know what it is that is in this. And then he just said, the mystery is this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now to put that, put to, to make Take a short version and make it long, like we're, us preachers are, are masters at doing that. <laughs> to make, it, it means hope, which is the earnest anticipation of good. How many would like to have some earnest anticipation of good in your life? Yeah. 
we, if we're not careful, we get, we get so caught up in the, in the demands of life. And, it, and I tell people all the time, I say, look, if you're not careful, life will run over you. It'll just, it'll just flatten you out on the road. I mean, just run over you. And every once in a while that happens. And sometimes we get the wind knocked out of us. Have you ever had the wind knocked out of you? Yeah. I've, I have. You know, when I, when I was a kid, it happened all the time because I had this habit of climbing up, up into stuff and falling out. And I had this habit of wrecking my bicycle all the time. And then motorcycles. And I was forever getting a wind knocked out of me. And when you're young, that's a real scary thing because you can't get your breath, you know. And it happened, it happened to me so many times that I, I learned a secret. That if I wouldn't try to breathe, I would be able to breathe faster. When you get the wind knocked out of you, it's a spasm, and you can't get your breath. And the harder you try to get your breath, the longer that spasm remains. But if you'll just relax and stop trying to breathe, then your body will relax and you'll be able to breathe. If there's anything people need to learn to do today is breathe. You need to learn to relax and breathe because this life will knock the air out of you. Sometimes over and over and over. And we go, we go around holding our breath, trying to, trying to get our air, but we're so stressed out that we can't seem to make it. We, we get all, you know, worked up about things that life's going to end. You know, there were, there, last night, there was the life, life ended for several people <laughs> on every side. You know, there, there's people bemoaning everything today because they, they, they didn't get their way in the political elections and everything. Well, you know, I, I kind of I think that God's going to be with us anyway. Right. Amen. Boy, that's quiet. Hopefully, hopefully all y'all wasn't too offended. I'm not going to talk about red and blue tonight, okay? <laughs> if that's all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to talk about Jesus. But Christ in you, the hope, the earnest anticipation of good. Now, the word earnest means that it's more than, than just, well, I hope something happens. It's the earnest. It, mean, it means the anticipation of good. My little eight-year-old grandson was staying with me the other night, and he got a, he got a dirt bike. His daddy bought him a dirt bike. And so he stayed, spent the night with us. He's out of school on Monday, and the next morning... He, he, he was full of anticipation that he was going to get to ride that dirt bike. And it was new to him and exciting and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and I was excited about it and his mama was terrified about it. So I, you know, she, she stayed home and he stayed with me and was going to teach him how to ride. And so he had earnest anticipation. Next morning it was raining and muddy. And he would go and just sit, he would, I, I parked the, his dirt bike in our basement down by our living room. I'm kind of one of them, I'm, I, I, I'm a little different, you know, I, I kind of treasure my, my Harley. I've got a big ultra classic Harley that we ride all the time. We, we rode, me and my wife rode close to 100,000 miles in the last 10 years. And so, you know, we take care of it, it's part of the family. You know, I talk to it, I pet it, you know. One of the nice things I like about it, I've got several, it's got several horses, but it only eats when I want it to. 
My son's got a lot of horses and they eat all the time. And I tell him, I say, son, I've got more horses than you and they don't eat unless I want them to. So I pulled his dirt bike in, in our basement. I, I made our basement, walkout basement, right by the, right between the family room and the stairway is this neat little place right in between that stairway where, where my big Harley parks and sits there as part of the family. Some of y'all are just staring at me. And so he got, he got to park his dirt bike in there by, by my big motorcycle. He was full of anticipation. This anticipation of, you know, just earnest. And it was raining. And so I kept telling him, buddy, just, just stay off the dirt bike. You know, you need to find something to do because it's going to be raining for a little while. And I'd turn around and there he'd be sitting on that dirt bike with his helmet on. And he just kept inching it up and inching it up. And he finally had it right in front of the door. And he'd, he'd say, Papa, can I, can I just pull it out on the sidewalk and, or the porch and just sit on it? I said, no, because you'll be out in the rain before I know it. And so he had earnest anticipation. And he was just, he was just nothing could satisfy him because he was anticipating this great joy in his life. And then it finally stopped raining. And he was going to get to ride it. We pulled it out. I looked down. The key was out of the, the ignition. And so I called his daddy, who works for City Utilities in Springfield. I said, where's the key for the motorcycle? He said, oh, no, it's in my coat pocket in my pickup in Springfield. And I told him, I said, oh, man. I said, we, we can't start it. He said, Papa, if you push it fast enough, just push it. It'll start. And I said, no, it won't. I said, it's got to have the key. got to have the key turn on. So I tried every little key I had to see if I could just wiggle around and get it to start. And finally, you know, it wouldn't. So I finally just started taking the ignition apart. And I took it all apart and I, I, I fixed it where it'd stay on. I took black tape and, and wrapped around it because there's a little toggle switch in there that you can just turn it over that position, suppose, in, wrap tape around it. And I heard him go in and tell his Nana. He said, Nana, I never told him what I was doing. But he said, Nana, Papa is fixing my motorcycle where it'll always be on and I won't have to have a key. I looked at him, I said, how'd you know that? And so his dad's real happy with me because now his eight-year-old son knows how to hotwire a motorcycle. So he's not real happy about that. But he finally got to ride it. Finally stopped raining. Finally got it started. Finally got out there and started riding. And, and he has this big old helmet on and his face looked about this big inside that helmet. And every time he would come around the house, he was grinning ear to ear. I mean, just having the best time. Wrecked it four times and just, and still just loved it. Every minute of it. He had earnest anticipation of something good. Now, a lot of us have lost that earnest anticipation of good. We don't look forward to life because We've had some disappointments, we've had some problems, we've had things go wrong for us, and we've lost focus of the fact that there is an eternal hope that lives inside of us, and we don't have to look at this world, we've got a hope inside of us, Christ in you. The anointed one, Christ, the anointed one in you. Stop and think about that. The glory of God, the power of God, the presence of God. In you is the earnest anticipation of good, of the glory of the Lord. Now, the word glory 
In this, in this instance, the word glory means the self-manifested nature and acts of God. So you have the anointed one living in you, which causes an earnest anticipation of God demonstrating who He is and what He does inside of you. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Now that's something to look forward to. That's something to get up in the morning for. Amen. That's something to be happy about and to be excited about because God knows you. He knows who you are. He knows where you're at. And is, He's right there with you right now. Amen. Right now. God, the Holy Spirit does some really strange things through me sometimes. He has to find a strange person to do strange things through. And I'm, He's forever giving me messages for people. And I, I didn't used to like technology, and for the most part, I still don't like technology. But I have got where I love texting. You know why? Because I don't have to carry on long conversations. I can just send a message, and, and, and that's it. If I don't want to answer it, I just turn the ringer off. You know, just, there it is. I sent my message. But the, the Holy Spirit's forever giving me messages for people that are right now messages, and I'll text it to them. And sometimes it is, it, it, I get in on the conversation that they were having at that moment, and God gives them answers. Right at that moment. That's strange. And I've had a few people tell me that I was creepy. That's really what you like, isn't it? For people to say, you know, I had this one lady, she, she came to church. And doesn't come very much. And she came to church and there's a couple of times that I'd send her messages. And, and one day, and it was always right at the right time, you know, right on time. And one day I was, I was driving to work. I, I do electrical work on the uh, big marinas down on Tabrock Lake. And I was driving to work early in the morning and the Holy Spirit told me to send her a message. And the message was... Don't make long-term decisions on short-term emotions. Plain and simple. That's why I like texting. I mean, just, there it is. Doesn't sound like much. And I thought, when I got that, I, I said, I'm almost to work. I'll send it when I get to work. And the Holy Spirit said, pull off the road and send it now. I know some of y'all think that's really weird. I don't because that's way, where I live. That's just kind of where, I, that's the, you know, that's the, Anyway, and I, I pulled off the road, sent the text, sent the message, and she messaged me back a few minutes later, and she said, how do you do this? She said, I was walking to the door, quitting my job, and I got that text that said, don't make long-term emotions on short Don't make long-term decisions on short-term emotions. And that's when she said, she's one of them that said, you're a little creepy. (laughs) Wasn't the response I was hoping for. And I told her, I said, look, I said, it's not that I'm creepy. It's that the Holy Spirit is trying to get you to understand that he's right there. He knew exactly what was going on in your life. He knew exactly where you was at. And he knew what was happening. And he wanted to keep you from making that mistake. And, and since then, she has flourished on her job. Sometimes we have to just open our ears. And she said, well, why does he tell you? I said, because you're not listening. 
I said, if you was listening, I wouldn't have to pull off the road and send you text messages. So get your ears open. Christ in you is the hope of glory. We have have the ability to bring help and hope to people's lives. People all around us. There are needs all around us. And you never know when you're going to be the answer for somebody's problem. You say, oh, you know, I can't do that. Yes, you can. And the fact is, if you just yield yourself to God, he can do it. You you can just meet somebody and just think you're carrying on a conversation. And in that conversation, speak words to them that turns their life around. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit can just take everyday life and make something miraculous out of it. Because he's always there. He's always working. Amen. Even when, people, even when there's rejection. How many how many's ever, ever experienced rejection from somebody? Some of y'all's lying. It's a part of life, isn't it? Somebody's not going to like you, or somebody's going to reject you, or somebody's going to abandon you, or somebody's going to do you wrong all the time. And we have a choice to make, whether we're going to let that shut us down, or whether we're going to keep walking in the power and presence of God because of the hope that lives inside of us. You know, this, this stuff, everything doesn't always go good for us. That's a revelation, isn't it? Y'all, y'all just didn't even know that. That's quite a revelation. It doesn't always go good. Life doesn't always go good. I preached a message here all back on, on who told you that life was supposed to be good. Well, that just, that's just like a heavy blanket come down. I thought, you thought that's what you preachers are supposed to tell us. No, life, life will mess you up. But God's good. Amen. People will, will mess you up, but God's good. Things that go wrong in your life. Life is full of challenges. Matter of fact, life is trying to kill us from the moment we're conceived. And those of us that are still here, we have survived over and over and over. I've survived way too many times. And I'm hoping for a few more. <laughs> yeah, you know. I've told there's I've been in places before where I've told God that hey if if you don't do something it looks like I'm going to be meeting you here in just a few minutes. But if you want to get more miles out of me you're going to have to do something. And and he's done something every time. I was in I was in a a little town in in uh South Africa. Was preaching all over South Africa. And we we had an appointment to preach at this at this church I'd never been to. The guy that I was with had never been to. The guy that was working in South Africa, he had never been there. But through a, a pastor that was making some calls, got, we got some, we, we got, you know, appointed to, to uh, preach there. And the reason was having to do that because I went over there with a big team to do a big evangelistic outreach. And when I got over there, found out the guy that was setting it up stole all the money <laughs> and, and uh, it all fell apart. Woo! Life's good, isn't it? And so I've got this big team. I spent a lot of money flying everybody over there. And we were ready to go, and there was nothing for us to do. And so a friend of mine, the guy that I was working with, he called another pastor, and he started getting on the phone, and he got places for us to minister. And so, you know, that, that was great. We show up at this one uh, church, 
And we got lost going there, very dangerous part of South Africa. There's, there's places in South Africa that, that are the most dangerous parts of the world, especially around Johannesburg. And we were, we were going there, and the people wasn't, we, we were supposed to meet these people on a certain road. And they wasn't there. So we just kept driving and driving. And in that part of the world, you don't stop at stop signs because there's people in the weeds. And, and when you stop, they're going to they're gonna carjack you and they're going to get you out of your car, steal your car and all this kind of stuff and, and most likely kill you. And so you just, you, you look both ways, you take your chance and you run through that thing. Kind of like, like people driving Springfield. Or Lamar. Y'all got a lot of stoplights in Lamar. It's a, it's a, it's a heavy thing. But when we, we finally turned down this road, the guy that I was with, he said, I'm just going to turn down this road. And so he turned down that road and we'd been circling for quite a while, trying to, trying to make contact, trying to see this, this, these people we're supposed to meet. Finally turned down this road and there's a car sitting in the road stopped. And we pull up there and we, we start slowing down. Well, people driving by was screaming out the windows, hollering, don't stop, don't stop, because they knew what happens all the time. But it just so happened that we pulled up right behind the people that we were supposed to meet in a whole nother, a whole nother section. And so God was directing our path and, and we were really happy about that. So we get to this church and it's in a schoolhouse. They've got a room rented in a school. There was about 35 people there. And we get there, and there's a ruckus up in the front with the pastor. And pretty soon the guy I'm working with come back here, and I said, what's going on? He said, he doesn't want us here. And I said, well, why'd they invite us? He he said he didn't invite you, and he don't want you preaching here. And I said, well, all right. You know, but I said, why don't you, why don't you go to him and just tell him that we didn't come here. We're not taking up offerings, so it's not going to cost him anything. We're paying our own way. And I said, tell him to just let us preach tonight. And, and if, and, and we'll never be back if he doesn't want us here. And so he went up there and told him that. And he finally agreed, and we preached that night. See, everything doesn't always work out great. And we have a decision to make, whether we're going to continue in the hope of the glory of God, or whether we're going to let people and decisions people make shut us down. This isn't even, I wasn't even planning on preaching on any of this tonight, but I am. Holy Spirit's wanting to talk to somebody tonight. Whenever we, we make decisions based on the reactions of others as Christian people, we deny the glory and the hope that's based inside of us and lives inside of us, and we cut it off. We shut it down. And when we shut it down, we stop the manifestation of God in our life. Not because He's offended, but because our soul shuts down and we won't let Him work. We just close off. You ever, you ever, you ever been closed off? Some of you men know what that is when you walk in and, and your wife's acting kind of funny and you say, what's wrong? And she says, nothing. When she says, nothing, there's something really wrong, but she ain't going to talk to you about it because she is shut down. Okay. That's pretty, that's ill. You can take that to the bank. So he finally let us, let us go ahead and preach. 
And I gave an altar call that night. And like I said, there's only about 35 people showed up that night. And I gave an altar call, and this one young lady come up, and I could tell there was something wrong with her. Something wasn't right. And I walked over and started praying for her, and, and she went berserk. I mean, just demonic, full-out demonic manifestation. And you get used to that. But she just went wild. I mean, she was screaming. She was fighting. It, you know, I thought I had hold of a buzzsaw there for a while. I mean, it was just, it was wild. And when, when that started happening, everybody took off for the back of the, of the building, running through. It was awful sound because chairs were flying out of the way, and people ran all the way to the back of this little room and were huddled in the back, and they left me up there to deal with all this. And I looked over at my friend because this, this girl was, was, I mean, she was really, uh, this demon was just really having, having a time. And it was, it was quite a fight. I looked over at my friend, and he's standing there grinning at me. He said, you stirred it up. But anyway, long story short, or short story long, however, whichever way it goes, she was delivered that night. The, spirit, the, the demonic spirits came out of her, and she was, she was delivered, and the glory of God came on her and blessed her, and she was born again, and her life was changed, and, and we left that night knowing that one person was changed. Her life was changed. Now, if I would have let rejection, or if I'd let the actions of other people shut me down, then I wouldn't have been able to do that. I wouldn't have been able to minister because I would have been closed off. I would have been shut down. But if you remember that the hope of glory is residing in you through Jesus Christ, then you know that, that he, he can't be shut down. You're the only one that can shut it down. You're the only one that can turn it off. But because we responded in a proper way, that young lady's life was totally and dramatically changed. And three weeks later, that pastor invited my friend after we'd went home. That pastor invited my friend back at, to that church. And there was over 600 people showed up for the service. And, and he told me about it. And I said, why was there so many? He said, it was all because of that one little girl that, that you cast the devil out of. And she was set free. He said, everybody knew her in that whole area. And she was totally set free and went around telling everybody how Jesus had set her free and changed her life. And 600 people showed showed up to in, in within three weeks at that church. I, I got to tell you something tonight. God knows you. He knows what he has for you and he has hope for you. He has hope for this church. He has hope for this area. There are people in this area that have heard the gospel over and over and over, but they are in desperate need of a power encounter of the presence of God that will set them free and drive out the powers that are, that are tormenting them right here in Lamar. You don't have to go to South Africa or India or Africa or Rwanda where we work or the Philippines. We see this stuff everywhere and we deal with it all the time. But we also deal with it right here in America. I don't know where we got the idea that people in America don't need to be delivered and set free. The same devils that bind them in Africa are the same ones that bind them here. But there is a powerful name. It's the name of Jesus and he lives in inside of you. He is the hope of glory that lives on the inside of you. Jeremiah 29, 11, 
Most of you know it became very popular a few years ago. I know the, I know the thoughts I have toward you, says the Lord. Good thoughts. Good thoughts. And he said, I want to give you a hope and I want to give you a, an end. In other words, I want to give you a successful end. I want to give you a blessed life and a good end. God's saying to us, I know the thoughts I have toward you. I know the thoughts I have toward you. Can you, can you hear that? Some of you haven't heard a lot of good thoughts from people. We grow, there, there's times that we grow up in, in very mean circumstances. Amen. If we went down, if we start, just start asking, we could get some horrendous stories of how people, things people have been through. I've heard them for years. I did, I did behavioral counseling, still do, but I, for years I did behavioral and, and relational counseling for years, hour after hour on end, day after day, and I heard some of the most horrendous stories of what people can do to other people, and yet I also saw what Jesus can do to those same people and set them free and change their lives. Amen. There is a hope tonight, and that hope is in the name of Jesus. It's in the glory. There is a glory that self-manifested nature and acts of God. Glory. His presence. There's hope. People need hope. Amen. They need to know that there is hope. My little two-year-old granddaughter was diagnosed here a while back with, with a type of rheumatoid arthritis. And it, she had lesions on her skin, big sore raw places on her body. Her joints hurt and made noises. And, and, and she went around, she'd get up and start walking and she'd, she'd say, ow, ow. And her joints were hurting and, and they, they were trying to give her medication and, you know, trying to clear stuff up and trying to help her. But we prayed for her and, and they took her to a specialist. And when the specialist checked her out, she said, I don't know what to say. This, this has somehow reined itself in. And since there is no signs of arthritis in her body anywhere, she, she doesn't have any type of rheumatoid arthritis. The, the, the lesions on her skin cleared up. There is a hope. See, there, we, we, when we first heard that, it was like, oh, God, you know, there was such a, it hit us so hard. And, and, but yet there was a hope. There's a hope of glory. I walked into one of the places that I work for, one of the marinas I walk, work for, walked into the office the other day to get some paperwork. And just as I walked in, I heard the secretary, who, who I really haven't had that many conversations with. I walked in, I heard the secretary tell somebody that she said, well, if I was you, I'd have Tim Snyder pray for me. And I just walked in the door, heard my name, and I, I thought, what is this? And she turned around and she said, here he is, he can pray for you right now. Yeah. Kind of get put you on the spot, you know. I had I had to go from thinking about the job that I had to do there to thinking about, whoa, yeah, that's right. I am a preacher, and I need to pray. For, you know, I, I've got a hope inside of me, and I need to, I need to. And so I went over, and this young man, 
had been diagnosed with a, a tumor on his brain stem and was going in for surgery that, that worked there. And, and I got to pray for him right there in the office building with all the people there and pray for him and declare the name of Jesus. See, there's only one reason that that would happen as somehow that secretary got a glimpse of hope and she got a glimpse of, of the, there's something here besides people and besides humanity. There's a power here that's greater than the power that we have. There's a hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. He is the fullness. He is the, he is, he's the fullness that fills everything. He is the one, he is the one that fills our lives when everything else is trying to drain us dry. He's the one that gives us life when, when, when this world is trying to take our life away from us. Amen. I know what it's like to feel, to, to think that your life is, is ending only to wake up and realize it's not. That something's happened. Amen. I woke up in the middle of the night in Africa one time after being unconscious and, and had a, a bacterial infection in my blood and, and was in a stranger's home unconscious, didn't know the person, never met the person. And I was in this home unconscious by myself and there was nobody there to help me. But I got to tell you something, there was somebody there to help me. His name is Jesus. And, and I told him before I, when I knew that I was losing consciousness, I told him, I said, look, looks like I'm coming home. But if you want, what I always tell him, if you want to get some more miles out of me, you're going to have to do something. And, and a couple of days later, I woke up, my eyes open and I woke up and I, I said, said, oh, I, I think I'm feeling better. I think I feel some strength. And God raised me up out of that, in that, in that place. And I, I got up and went to another place. I couldn't see. I probably told you the story. I never remember who, who I tell what. Couldn't see. Was very sick, very weak. But I, I went from that place and went to a mission training school and preached and taught in the Bible school for four days and couldn't see a thing. I just had to do it from memory. Why? Because there is a God that cares about you. He loves you. He's there when nobody else is there. And there's somebody in this house tonight that thinks nobody knows what's going on in your life and you think that, that nobody is there to help you. But I got to tell you something. If you'll go to God, if you'll call on the name of the Lord, if you You'll give your life to him and worship him with all your heart. He is there. He's right there with you right now. He's there in your situation. Everybody else might have abandoned you, but there is somebody that is there with you right now. I know what it's like to feel like you're all alone with nobody to help you, but there's, but there's an all-present God that is always there, and he cares about you. He cares about your situation. He cares about what's going on with you. So he is, Jesus Christ is the hope of glory. He is the earnest anticipation inside of us. Christ in you, in you. You can't just have a religious belief and expect it to work for you. He's got to be in you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. He is the fullness that fills all in all. He is the, he is the manifestation of, the very image of God. And he come to show us everything that God has for us. He come to show us the goodness of God. Amen. We, we didn't have a real good picture of God until Jesus showed up on the scene. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What I do 
is what the Father does. And all of a sudden, we start getting a picture of a loving God. He went from just being the God in heaven that shook mountains and, turned, and, and, had in, and lived inside of clouds on top of mountains and, all, and fire and smoke. And he went from that to being Father God, a loving Father. And now we know him as our Heavenly Father. And we see the goodness. Jesus come to show us the goodness of God. Amen. He come to give us, he come to give us hope. Everybody stretch, stretch your hand this direction right here. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you tonight. Lord, for your goodness. I thank you for your healing anointing, Lord God, flowing into this arm. I don't know what's wrong with it. Don't know what happened to it. But Father, I thank you for your healing presence, healing anointing. And Lord God, this I've seen this man grimacing in pain, but tonight, Lord God, I thank you that you're here, that you're manifesting, that your presence is, is ever present. And in the name of Jesus, I command this pain to stop, and I command healing to come into this arm. And Father, I thank you, Lord God, for the manifestation of your presence. Lord, I thank you for every, every damaged part coming back together, Lord God, bone healing to bone, muscle to muscle, tissue to tissue. Lord God, I thank you for tendons that are being healed right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for that. Amen. What an awesome God we serve, that he is, he is right there. And I got to tell you something. When I was at my church this afternoon praying for this service, I, I was just praying, I, I kept saying, God, because I was at my church, so I kept getting interrupted with things I want to do at my church. You, you know what, how that is. And, and I kept saying, God, I want something for, for Oakton. Lord, help me to focus for Oakton. Lord, I want a word for Oakton. And, and I just kept praying and seeking God for Oakton, Oakton Church. And as I was praying, I, I began to hear this, these words, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And, and I got to tell you something. What I heard was God's not done with this church. God's not finished with what he has planned. And the reason that this building was built out here in the middle of these cornfields and that this, this, this big church out in the middle of this area, the reason it's here is because God has ordained it to be here and that you are here to bring life to this area. You're not here just to be another church. You're not here just to be another religious group. You're here to bring life to this area and hope to this area. Amen. God, God, God wants, wants you to be a bunch of odd people. Amen. Now, you say, you say, Pastor, that ain't very hopeful. Amen. Amen. God wants, wants people to say, wow, what is, what is it with Oakton? Because he wants to begin to manifest his presence. Now, listen to me. He wants to begin to manifest his presence in a way that you guys haven't experienced before. And you're going to have to get to a place where you're hungry for it and where you want it. What God has established this church for, Brother Kent, give, if, give me permission to do this. What God has established this church for is not just to be another church. 
This church was established and this church was brought into being and it has grown to the place that it's grown because this is supposed to be a hope, a center of hope for people with ruined lives and where they can know that there's going to be transformation take place. Amen. Now, this area, this is what I'm hearing, this area seems to be on a downward swing. But that is not what determines whether God can work or not. It's not what determines what. Matter of fact, God has a big area and he's got a lot of places he can reach into. And there are more than enough people that are hurting tonight, that are lost, that are bound. There's more than enough people that are addicted to drugs and dependent on drugs. There are people in this area that are dependent on drugs. They've, they've been to clinics, they've, they've, they've done the whole rehab thing, but it doesn't work. Why? Because they need a transformation in their brain and in their body. They need something greater than human ability and human wisdom. They need to encounter a power that is greater than who they are. And the Lord today in my church, praying and seeking God for this service, the Lord spoke to me and he said, that's what I want for Oakton United Methodist Church. I want it to be a place where people encounter God and have transformations take place in their lives. Now, in order to do that, you're going to have to toughen up. Can I say that? Because there's going to be people coming here that are not, that are going to need a lot of help. And they're going to wreck your services. They're going to tear some stuff up because right in the middle of your good worship service while you're enjoying God, somebody's liable to all of a sudden mow you down because, because something started manifesting inside of them. And instead of feeling like something's out of place or, or wrong, you need to be able to bring that thing in, rein it in. Amen. And see him get help. I don't know why I'm talking about that so much tonight. Obviously, he wants to do something like that. <laughs> Whenever we understand the will of God and the plan of God, this, this downward swing that this area is in right now is not a permanent thing, nor is it a prophetic thing that is happening. It is just simply the ebb and flow of the way life goes. It's not something that says, well, you know, it's over with. God's not blessing us like, like he used to. Isn't that something? You, did you know? Did you know there's people saying that? I've, I don't live here, but there are people that have ma- actually made the statement. Now I'm just, I'm just spitting this out. There are people that actually made the statement that God's just not blessing Oakton like He used to. The Spirit of God's not at Oakton like it used to be. I've had people say that about my church. I've had them walk out and say. Ichabod's written over the door, and some of y'all, some of you young people, don't know what that means. That means that means the glory of God has departed, and and the whole time I was in, enjoying the glory of God. I didn't I didn't know what they was talking about because I was having a good time. God was blessing me, you know. And and I I had one guy walk up to me and he said one one day he said Why doesn't God bless you anymore? I said I didn't know He didn't. 
He said, well, you're not blessed anymore. I said, what are you talking about? I'm not blessed anymore. He said, well, your, your congregation's down. Your church has really dropped down to attendance and it just doesn't seem like God's blessed you anymore. I said, is that what we base it on? Whether we're popular or not? I've never been popular, so, you know, it's got to be God. God has to tie a pork chop around my neck to get the dogs to play with me. I mean, you know, it's, it's, not, like, it's not like I've ever won a popularity contest. I have this, I have this, this strange thing about being honest with people. <laughs> not always popular. But those words are not going to be the caption of this church. Amen. Are you on board with me? Amen. That's not going to be the caption over this church or this area. Matter of fact, if you'll begin to ask God, God will bring things into this area. Matter of fact, God will bring employment into this area to where people will begin to move back into this area. Is that what's happening? People are moving out. There's, there's things going on. People are, you know, people are running to popular, you know, other churches and pop. It's the ebb and flow of things. We got we to gotta stop looking at that. I'm not to pass this church. I'm talking like I am. Sorry. We got to stop looking at that stuff. And we got to stop, start looking at the fact that God has a plan. God's not finished. And there's a whole lot of lives that need to be changed. Amen. You haven't run out of sinners in, in Lamar yet. You haven't run out of people who need help in Lamar yet. Matter of fact, they, they need a power encounter. Amen. And I believe God wants that to happen right here at Oakton United Methodist Church. Praise God. That is, that is in my heart. God's dropped that in my heart today. And I have nothing to base it on except the fact that he put it in my heart and spoke it to me. And you guys, you guys need, to, need to encourage yourselves. You need to square your shoulders and say, we're marching on. We're going forward. And God is, uh, is, is the one that has taken us and he is empowering us to do what we need to do. Amen. Praise God. There's, there's a presence of God. God's wanting to saturate this place with a presence. A presence. A presence. I'm not talking about just chill bumps. I'm talking about a presence. A presence. Where the glory of the Lord literally moves on people's lives from the moment they walk in the door. I had a guy testify the other day, send, send a message. And he said, I had TMJ so bad I couldn't put my mouth together. I couldn't, I couldn't even, I couldn't eat. It hurt so bad and, and it popped and cracked. And he said, I don't even know when it happened, but somewhere in the service God healed me. And he said, I'm completely healed. Nobody prayed for him. That's, that's what I like. The presence. And so the presence of God. God's got plans and he has got a mission for this place. Stand with me tonight, if you would. God's got a mission to reach out. Let me talk to him. <laughs> I did that one time, took the phone and asked the person why they wasn't there, wasn't at church. They called right in the middle of my message, so I asked them why they wasn't there. Awkward moment. How many, how many want 
to see what God, how many have a desire to see what God wants to do? How about you young, young people? I can say that because I'm old. You want to see what God can do in your lives, in your schools? What an what a awesome thing it would be if young people in this town would find the power and presence of God instead of drugs. I don't know what's up with drugs. So many people, my, my oldest son and his wife, they, they have what's called Restoration Connection, and they, they reach out to people that are homeless and on drugs, and they, they bring them in, they minister to them on a weekly basis, and it's, it's a powerful ministry, and people are being set free. But there are so many, and I've never heard one person ever say, man, I'm glad I started taking drugs. You listen to me, young people? Not one person, I've never heard one person say, man, I'm really glad I started doing this. Most of them are saying, I was so stupid. Why did I ever start this? Because now they realize something's got to hold their life and they can't get loose from it. And they don't understand it. And it's destroying them. Thousands and thousands of young people are dying from overdoses of opioids right now across this nation. And in this area, in Branson, we, we have it constantly. It's a terrible epidemic. And not one of them ever say, boy, I'm glad I started that. That was awesome. No, they all regret it. And so what would, what, how much better would it be if we'd start our life with Jesus and find out what a blessed life is instead of starting our life with drugs and finding out what destruction is because drugs will destroy you. Sin will destroy you. It does it every time. Nobody's exempt from it. But there is a hope tonight. His name is Jesus. Amen. Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you for this simple little message, Lord God, that you, you just delivered in, in simplicity. But Father, I pray right now, Lord God, that you would, you would uh, grip the hearts of every person in this church, that they would find, become courageous the courage would fill them, Father God. Right now, there's too many that are just existing. Lord God, I pray for courage to fill the hearts of people. Lord, I pray for courage to fill the hearts of these young people and these leaders. Lord God, that they would become energized and full of faith. And Father, I pray right now that you would begin to fill people with your Holy Spirit and turn them into missionaries right here in Lamar area. Lord God, right here in this area, that they would become missionaries to their own people, to their schools, and to their this area. Father, I pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit right here in Oakton United Methodist Church. Father, I pray that you will turn this place into a, place, a power-producing station. Lord, the people will, will be able to come and find help. Lord, that from miles around, people will say, if you need help, get to Oakton. And Father, I pray that you will do that in, in, in a miraculous time. Transformation. And Lord, I praise you, Lord God, for hope tonight. I thank you, Father, that you have given hope in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father.
Lord, I pray for each person here tonight. Lord, there, there are people here tonight that, that, that have, uh, they're separated from people that they love and there's things that has happened and Lord, they feel hopeless. But Father, I thank you that there is hope coming into their life right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I praise you for that. God, I thank you for hope. Thank you for hope. God, I pray right now, Lord God, that angels would literally start showing up at this place, Lord God, attending these services. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just begin to move heavily in greater measures than it has before, Lord God. Father, I ask you to bring this church from faith to faith to glory to glory. And God, we give you praise for that tonight. In the name of Jesus. We had a young lady one time come up to me. And she said, Pastor, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I said, why? She said, and Pastor shouldn't ask that question, but I wanted to know why. And she said, I want to be effective. And I prayed for her, and the Holy Spirit baptized her and empowered her. And she became a missionary in her school. And in a short time, she had won 50 of her classmates. 50 of them. I mean, our youth group grew so fast that we didn't know what, we, we couldn't hardly uh, take care of them. We were moving from, from room to room to, and, and I finally went in, I told the adults, I said, look, I said, uh, you guys might want to want to brace yourself because if this youth group keeps growing, we're going to move you out into one of the classrooms and we're going to have to give the youth, the auditorium to the kids. And it just continued to grow and continued to grow until there was a hundred young people. And, then, and, and the power and presence of God, every night the glory of the Lord would just be powerful and people and young people would be giving their lives to Jesus. And I just got to ask you something. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you love to have that kind of peer pressure? Have that kind of effect? Amen. People need some peer pressure and some good, good peer pressure. And I'm going to pray that God begin to energize this body and, and the people, it might just be one or two that starts out and just begins to be energized and have an impact on their area and on you young people in the schools. My goodness, what, what a powerful thing can you do? Amen. Lives changed. Instead of going to your friend, to your classmates' funerals because they OD'd, you can become to church with them and watch God change their life. That's what we want. That's what we need. We need hope. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Would you Would you guys just come up here with me, all, all you young people? What do we have time? Yes, sir. Come on. Get out of your seat. Come up here. Hey, buddy. You're willing, aren't you? Love you guys. So great to see you here. You guys represent a large <laughs> spectrum of your school. Every type of person, every type of place. Sports. Some of y'all are good at math, which is awesome. I never was. You have all types of skills. You have all types of, 
of uh, talents. You need to give those to God because God can accelerate those. He can make you accelerate in the things that you're doing and uh, cause you to be, have an influence. Whatever your talents are, whatever your gifts are, you might just be a friendly person that can make people feel comfortable when they're around you. That is a tremendous gift. Now, God wants to, God wants to help you to impact the people around you because he's tired of losing young people. This church is tired of losing young people. Amen. We go to way too many funerals where young people have died because of, of uh, silliness, because of drugs, which is just ridiculous. To take something that's going to alter your brain is beyond understanding because a lot of times you can't come back from that. And a lot of times you do that because you become disappointed. You become disappointed in your life. You come, become disappointed in things people do. Your parents, different things happen. And because of disappointment, you want to escape. And so you, you want something that's going to help you escape. But when you, when you run to drugs and things like that, you don't escape. You lock yourself into a prison cell. It's not an escape. It's detrimental. If you want to escape, come to Jesus and let him set you free. Amen. Let him change your life so that, so that you don't have to escape from anything. You understand what I'm saying? You say, oh, you're an old man, don't know what you're talking about. I've lived a few, I've lived a few years, got a few miles. But I want you to pray with me. Will you do that? Can you all join hands? I mean, grab somebody's hand there.